Hi, I'm Biz. I'm a working parent with a kid and a teen. It's been 10 years since the show began, and a lot has changed on the show and in the world. But by elevating the voices of others, we have learned we are not alone, and we are doing a good job. This is still a show about life after giving life. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, libraries, who knew? We welcome back our favorite librarian, Gwen Glazer, to remind us how great libraries are. Plus, Biz interprets lunch. Well, hi, this is a check-in. I just wanted to call and let you know that after three and a half, almost four years, I finally did it. I left the carton of milk in the bottom of the shopping cart, and I didn't pay for it. Yeah. Didn't know until I was already in the parking lot. Yep. And I guess really what just kind of pushed me over the edge finally was having a sick toddler with a brand-new baby. So. Yep. For anyone who's heard earlier podcasts and thought, how can that really happen? Yeah. Um, just wait till you have your second kid. But, yeah, so other than that, I'm going to try to enjoy this beautiful day. I hope everyone is having a better day than this. And you're all doing a great job. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, wait till you have your second kid or your first kid or it's just Monday. Honestly, if anybody listens to this show and at this point says about anything shared on this show, is that a thing that really happens? Or how could that be a thing that happens? You're not listening hard enough. Is that a thing? You're not listening hard enough. I see you. You did it. It's like a little checkbox you get to check off now. You're a milk thief. You did it. You stole that milk. (laughs) You put it in the bottom and you just rolled out with it. Rolled out. Let's don't even get started on the banana thieves. I mean, I my kids all ate like a banana while getting through the store. And I was just like, well, it's just a little banana. And it's keeping my children from screaming, which is also distracting in a grocery store. So I appreciate your honesty and admitting to your heinous crime. You're doing a really good job. Speaking of heinous crimes... <laughs> Lunches. Okay. Packing lunches for Ellis, who I knew this day was coming. We all knew this day was coming. Ellis has a limited diet of things they want to eat or will eat. Peanut butter and honey or peanut butter and jelly was a thing that they ate. Notice that I said ate. Past tense. This was our primary source of protein. It was a guaranteed lunchbox item, right? There, It's like, no, you couldn't do anything else. And then just like over the summer, they were like, this is now disgusting and I never want to eat it again. And we were like, now we are fucked, right? So here we are. And not just like, I don't want to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches anymore. I don't want to eat Lunch, like lunch as a concept, seems to be passe for Ellis. So we started doing, you know, like snack lunch, right? Like where, I mean, it's around lunchtime and it's a variety of things. And now that's what I'm doing in the lunchbox. But like, okay, 
So now a lunchbox looks like, because we don't have a cafeteria at the school. So now the lunchbox looks like there are at least two types of bars, a granola bar and some sort of heavier protein-filled bar, which eventually they're not going to want to eat because that will get boring. Some sort of fruit, okay? So that's a thing. Two types of crunchy dry things like uh, tortilla chips or uh, wheat thins, okay? That makes me feel like I'm putting something relatively nice. Now I've just flat out started putting pudding cups in there because I'm like, well, there's some some sort of fat energy boost. I don't know, something that's going to get this kid through the day. And now it's like, and then there's like, what's the bit? See, you would think that's enough food, but it's not because now the child's hungry all the time because they've hit some sort of strange growing spurt. And Ellis is very susceptible to hangriness. So, you know, we got to really keep food in the kid. And lunchtime is just too fun. So a lot of this food gets eaten at snack time. And then they need easy things to eat at lunch so that they can be playing, right? So then what is that going to be, right? We like, we lucked out. We got cinnamon raisin mini bagels and they were like, these are great, but they don't want them every day. No one would want them every day, right? They're an English muffin, okay? Now I just put frosted shredded wheat in there, which I know for people like me are like, that is the healthiest thing ever because I think shredded wheat is gross. Stefan uh, is made of like 90% shredded wheat. So the fact that my children will eat shredded wheat, even if it's frosted, which I would not dare touch (laughs) because I want it sugary and I want it to like dissolve immediately in my milk. That goes in. So, I mean, we're getting some points for fiber, but like every day is just now this weird challenge of how many different things can I put in to equate enough sustenance to prevent meltdowns at school. And at this point, like it's like dinner. It's like we used to say on the show about dinner. That's dinner. Is that like a naked hot dog? and like a triangle of watermelon, dinner. And now that's just moved to lunch. That's now what lunch is in our house, just whatever. So if you're feeling the pressure of what your kid's opening at school, like lunchbox wise, and that that somehow you should feel bad or that you should try really hard to make that lunch, I am just here to tell you, no one cares. Just take that right off your plate or take it right out of your lunchbox, as it were, and just sidle up next to my kid in their weird snack lunch. You know where you can't eat, though, is a library. Did you like that segue? It was rough. Gabe liked it. I am really looking forward to welcoming back friend of the show, friend to librarians everywhere, friend to me, Gwen Glazer librarian. Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise.
everybody, I am so very happy to be welcoming back longtime friend of the show, repeat guest, librarian of my heart, Gwen Glazer, who is now the head of collection development and user engagement at the Croton Free Library in New York, which means she's in charge of books and programs for adults and teens. Before that, as you may remember, she was a librarian at the New York Public Library and co-hosted a podcast called The Librarian Is In. Before that, she worked for Cornell University Library. And before that, she was a journalist. Ah, 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 welcome back. Welcome back, Gwen. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm so happy to be here. I don't even have questions written down for, for Gwen. We're just going to chat it up and talk libraries. But before we do that, we're going to have a little catch up here. Who lives in your house? So <laughs> I'm so happy to be back. Thank you so much. I live in my house. Mm -hmm. My husband lives in my house. Mm -hmm. My eight-year-old child lives in my house and our dog named Moose. Is the dog, is Moose a long-time resident? Or He's is a long-time yeah. resident. I'm yeah. trying to remember Moose. All right. Yeah. And yep. eight. Eight. I mean, I think our children have technically grown up together, but not. Yeah. Yeah. Ellis is eight and third grade. And how's that going? Third grade, it's a interesting choices. He, yeah, they've grown up together without knowing each other, yeah. which is amazing. But third grade is a lot. And I don't know if the Diary of a Wimpy Kid books have mm. hit your house. Oh, we've read them all. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I guess Raiden, Raiden probably read them. And Raiden no. actually no? did not. Oh, but okay. Library Story. Yeah. Ellis signed up for the summer reading library challenge, and they were given out for every like certain amount of minutes that you read. You got a little tag oh. for your tag. And so Ellis was like, challenge accepted. And like, we show up a week into the event, and they've already earned like five tags. And the oh. librarian's like, what? And I'm like, I'm telling you, they just get up and they start reading. And we went through that whole Diary of a Wimpy Kid series. God bless the library, because this is like when your kid starts to get into these like multi-book series, mm -hmm. you don't want to go buy them all. Yeah. You don't want to buy them all. No. You're like, no. No. And so you go, they're hot ticket items. But my child's learned about waiting lists. <laughs> my child yeah. gets the fun of going to the, you know, your book is in shelf and right. getting it. So I, I'm going to take that as your child is very into, have you had to watch the movies yet? I have watched the movies and I felt so old because I was like, Steve Zahn and Alicia Silverstone are your parents? Are you I kidding know. me? You I know. know. I was like, Steve Zahn is an amazing actor. Yeah. And I, I will know. watch. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Yeah. The, well, I love that you're all such power users of the library. You really are because the holds list is like next level. A lot of people yeah. don't do that. Don't know how to do it. Yeah. Oh, that's we're really next great. level. But you're as, so next as level. my sister is to poker, she'll start busting out like, well, there was an ace jack high five. For the and I'm like, I don't know what words you're using right now. <laughs> I don't want to be that. I mean, I am that way about the library, but this is why libraries are back. COVID <laughs> is 
you know, I'm pretty sure, right? Most law libraries are back. And I, I hear right? COVID's over. I hear there's it's no more totally COVID. Over. So it's we're, totally we're over. Yeah, it's we're totally not, over. We're not, you know. I mean, totally there's polio and yeah, there's right. monkeypox. Yeah. But no. COVID, certainly. <laughs> what COVID? I always wear my mask to the library. Okay. <gasps> Thank you. That is very kind. We still have Mask Monday at our libraries where people who feel more comfortable wearing masks can come on Monday and everyone in the library will be wearing a mask. That is, see, that's what I'm talking about. I want to spend this time with you talking about how great libraries are and like what the resources are that are available because I, even as a like next level library user, I'm still surprised by what is available to me at a library. So you're not talking to me. You're talking to somebody who is like, we have a library in town. Tell mm-hmm. me, tell me, like, tell me about the library. Oh, I would love to. That What a great, what a great intro. So libraries do so much stuff. And we are sometimes really bad at getting the word out about what we do too. It like yeah. it feels it feels sort of the way that it does when people ask you to say what you're good at or what your strengths mm-hmm. are. That it, you get really like, oh, I don't do I have strength? I don't know. I'm not good at anything. <laughs> and you freak out. And that's that's sometimes how I think we get because we do do a lot of stuff. We are kind of trying to be all things to all people a lot yeah. of the time. And so we don't always do a great job of marketing ourselves. Also, a lot of us who work in libraries are not like natural marketers and not not natural salespeople. It's just not a skill set that yeah. a lot of us happen to have, me included, very much me. And so we have trouble talking about it sometimes. But what we have is books. Most people know about that often. Yep, we have books. movies. Almost everybody has movies. Lots of CDs. We're still doing the CD thing. Most libraries are. We also have branched out, as many people know, into digital lending. And so a lot of us have streaming services. One of them is called Freegal, where you can stream wow. a lot of, of music. A lot of us have Canopy, which is a lot of free movies, especially documentaries and art films and older things. We also have this wonderful thing called Libby, which is a lot of, yes, which is part of Overdrive, which you might've heard that word before. That's eBooks and audiobooks, And all of that is streaming. But one thing that's a little bit hard is not every library has every single one of these things. So the best thing to do is to go to your local library's page and just take a look. And we also have a lot of programs. It's sort of like books and programs are our two, well, materials and programs are our two big things. And a lot of the programs are targeted for kids or for people with kids, which is kind of awesome. I think we sometimes struggle with the sort of older childless adults, and we sometimes struggle with younger childless adults, all childless adults. Um, (laughs) But we're usually really good at young kids and at older people. So (laughs) that's often where we are. To be fair, as a member of the sandwich generation. Yeah, you are my sweet spot. You are my sweet spot. I mean, you know, we could all go and roam forever. Yeah. And I don't actually use the digital parts of the lot, like the, because I don't do like e-readers and things like that. But Mm -hmm. that's become something that my dad has started really using with their Kindle. And we rent video games Mm -hmm. because... 
ours has video games, which is so, so cool. cool I love that. To not have to pay for a video game that you may or may not like. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I completed Pokemon Snap. Oh. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> I, I just did it all. And I was like, oh, that was easy. I definitely don't want to <laughs> buy this game because there's nothing left to do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We are starting to go into some really cool spaces. Right. And I don't know if video game rentals would technically be in this category. Probably not. But there's kind of two kinds of programs. There's like the programs that are you show up with your baby and you sit there and you have a story and it's bilingual story hour and everybody's happy and you're clapping and whatever. (laughs) And then there's like the Lego club and there's Mahjong and there's we just started a bereavement group and we have a lot of you know, there's seminars and whatever. But then there's also these things which we call passive programs, which is a terrible name and we should yeah. not call them that. And actually, no. I think there is a new name, but it's been a long time since I've been in library school and I don't know it. But <laughs> it's asynchronous programming, essentially. So oh, that nice. you don't have to be there at a certain time. So like, for example, we started um, in January, the Spice of the Month program, where I buy a bunch of spices and we package them up. My my teen volunteers come in and they package yes! them up and we write a little essay about the spice of the month and copy some recipes from cookbooks in our cookbook collection. And then we package up these kits and you just come and get it whenever you can. And I'm thinking about it because they just went out today. And so that's an asynchronous program where you're still interacting with the library. You're still doing library stuff and partaking of library services, but you don't have to be here at a specific time. See, that's genius. And that's the kind of thing (laughs) we don't know. That's a kudos to your library and to you. That is really fun. Great idea. But there's also something great about not having to be part of a group to be part of a program, Mm -hmm. which I I love. And shout out to teen librarians. So we've our library finally got a dedicated teen librarian. And it's been life-changing. I mean, like they're really open to Raiden and Raiden goes in and they volunteered over the summer. And sometimes they go in and do like art lab where the teens are there to help people use the because there's like our library has an art space and a 3D printer. Uh, and so people could go in and like, you know, print something or they have like a button making machine, things like that, which I just, oh, we had a whole zine. There was like a ooh, zine library. library. Somebody came in and stole all the zines, all Are the political zines. <gasps> <gasps> Scandal! That's awful. And all of these are political. I know. But that is actually going to bring us into some other stuff in a second. But also, I had been so unaware of, you know, when I was Raiden's age and it was time to do a project, I turned to the 1920s encyclopedias that we had, like, you know, (laughs) like, we had the Britannicas, but then we also had, like, going way back, nothing probably factual in those anymore. (laughs) Or you went to the library and you got your research from these big collections. And now it is, you can go online with your library card to your library and use their digital encyclopedias and their digital research resources, which is awesome because when you've got a teenager or young adult who, I mean, I've drug right into the library and I've been like, we are pulling books and then you're going to look. And we're gonna, I mean, we did that. But also 
they're going to go online for research. Mm -hmm. And they're learning what is a good resource and what is garbage resource. Mm -hmm. And to know that the library has already done some of that filtering for us makes me very happy, right? So they can go in and get a biography on somebody. They can go in and get this timeline or these historic notes. And so for those of you with teens, I just say that's all. And you don't even have to go in. You can do that from home or if you don't have a laptop or a computer, you can go in and use it. That's the other thing Mm -hmm. is that like libraries offer technology that, I mean, this was, that was where both my kids learned how to use a computer because I didn't necessarily, we we only had the like one and I didn't want them on it, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so we go to the children's section where they had computers and that's where they learned to navigate how to use a mouse or the trackpad or whatever. And it's just such a good, such a good resource, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. The tech stuff can be super helpful. Yeah. We have like Wi-Fi hotspots that people yeah. can use. And right, there's laptops. We now have long-term laptop loans where people can take them out for a while. Yeah. Um, yes, there that is another really, really good thing. And there's also somebody to help you is the other thing, is that you're not just sort of like handed this thing and been like, okay, go out off into yeah. the universe. <laughs> um, you can say, hey, how does this Wi-Fi hotspot work? Can you just show me really quickly? And that is also indispensable. It is indispensable. Sometimes I just go and work on their puzzle that they've got out. Yeah. Oh, they brought... Okay, so I've I've been going back and forth about whether it's COVID safe to bring back the puzzles or not. Probably not. Think probably but we not. have it. But yeah. we have it. And then I'm like... All right, here's a fail, everybody. I'm working the puzzle and this other woman comes and sits down and she's got like, you know, she's got one of those kids. Which reminds me of my kids, right? Where yeah, kids a little wired differently and talking full on to every adult in the, like, just great. And this woman is like, this is my safe place. I come yeah. to the library. People are going to talk with my kid. You know, he can go explore. I, of course, have already had now nine conversations with this child. <laughs> and so she comes over and sits and we're working the puzzle and like a couple of pieces fall off the table and mm-hmm. I can't find them. And I'm like, I know they're in my purse. And I start searching my purse for the puzzle pieces, and I cannot find them. And three weeks later, I find the puzzle pieces. And I thought, well, I did that. I I did that to the library puzzle. Okay, but the most important thing is, did you take them back? Oh, God, no, because that puzzle is already gone. They've already, like, rotated. It's not like the library's only puzzle. I was like, nope. Whoop! And I tossed them because I donate all my puzzles to the library. To the library, okay. So okay. They, get, they have puzzles for years because oh, of me. that's funny. I'm like, I already know how to do this puzzle. It wasn't that important. It was just the donkey's face. You know? <laughs> okay. Anywho... Stealing of zines. And uh, like I, to me, I see the library as one of our greatest, as to, I am not lying, guys. It is a place for everybody, regardless of education, regardless of gender, regardless of financial, you know, capabilities. I mean, like, I've always thought it was so cool that like I go to the library and no one knows what I'm reading. No one's keeping a record of me checking out that book. It is a safe place, right? Like, it is a sanctuary in different ways. And 
like it's where people can go to access books that may not be available to them in their school or in their homes. It is the opportunity to see yourself in a book and to learn about things that people don't want you to learn about, right? I mean, good, bad, and ugly. Mm -hmm. I'm not pretending like you can't go and learn something and then you're just a really horrible person and you take that out there and you do something horrible. <laughs> but I, that that's everywhere. Yeah. But like if you are gay or if you are, I use that library to get my children ready for preschool and kindergarten by reading books about it. This is what the first day is like. This is right. Or mm -hmm. doing story times and things like that. The same is true about other life experiences and going in. There's like parenting sections. There's, mm -hmm. you know, but. Yeah, we were so, just talking. It's so funny. We were just talking this morning about where to put a bunch of new books about puberty because we have a parenting section where there are sort of books about sex and books about growing up yeah. and body changing. And it's right in front in the children's room. So yeah. The way our library is organized is that the children's room is very open and you can see everything that's going on. And so if you're a kid and you want to look at those books, you're sitting about four feet away from the librarian right next to a big doorway. So everyone knows what you're looking at. Everyone can see you. But if we put them in the teen room, yeah, that's its own room with walls. And uh. oftentimes kids can be alone in there. Yeah. And we put those front and center, a couple turnouts so that you can make sure to see the covers. And every time you go in there, you can tell that kids have been looking at those books, even yeah. when they're pitched at children who are younger than they are, you know, that yeah. they're teens looking at books and maybe they already went through puberty, but it, they still belong in that room because like you can see stuff and nobody knows what you're looking at. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good. Little things like that are always what, you know, and and it's the same with the passive programs too, that like it it's your community and you get to choose how you how you engage with it, right? If it's the place that you come to read books that your parents don't want you to read, like, that's okay. <laughs> well, as library nerds, we know it's okay. And I already think all of you are super heroes and super brave and super advocates, but there has been some nasty turns recently for schools, school libraries, local libraries when it comes to banning books, which makes my eyeballs roll back and then fall out. Yeah. As a library system, right? Is there like, is there like one library that rules them all that sends out a note that's like, hey, this is how, like, are there resources for librarians when it comes to these sorts of issues? And what are those resources telling you? Yes, there are. So the American Library Association is a very important organization. And it's sort of the place where stuff about banned books goes to live so that all of us can figure out how to deal with this. I think a lot more of us have been facing these kinds of things in the last year or two than we ever thought we were going to. Like we know that these are coordinated movements that are going across the country. They're picking the same books. They're, they're using the same words and images to target them. And it's, it's becoming something way more commonplace than I think any of us ever thought it would. And I actually, I looked up a couple numbers. So, and it was just banned books week recently. And mm -hmm. so a lot of us have some fresh numbers at our fingertips, but 
the American Library Association tracked more than 700 challenges in 2021. And I think you hear that number and you're like, well, 700, this is a big country. There's a lot of libraries. And that also includes school libraries who in some ways have it much worse than public libraries. yeah. Yeah. Because putting something in a school library has a much different feel and putting it in a curriculum has a different feel. But when you think about it, the ALA also tells us that only between three and 18% of challenges are actually reported. So then you're like, oh, wait a minute. If 700 is only three to 18%, that's a whole lot. And in, that was in 2021. In 2020, there were only 156 total. And that was higher than the year before. Wow. So it's a lot. And we had our own at our library, the first one that anyone can remember, at least, happened last year over genderqueer, um, which is, yeah. Have you read that book? Uh, Yeah. I think we have that over on the bookshelf out in the den. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's written by a person named Maya Kobabe. It's an incredible book. It's a memoir about their own experience. Yeah. And someone went through and called all of the libraries in our system that had it in the teen room. And so a lot of challenges come around children's and teen literature. Sure. And so it was it was very interesting. I felt like I leveled up a little bit as a librarian because I was like, all right, let's do this. We you talk about it in library schools, this like conceptual thing about bands and challenges, but I think a lot of us didn't ever think it would actually ever come to us having a conversation with someone like calling us a pervert and and like she called she called me a whole bunch of names. Oh, I bet she did. She did. Oh, she sure did. Damn. She sure did. Oh. Where did she learn that language? I, you know, maybe at the <laughs> library. The, Who knows? <laughs> the teen section. Maybe in the teen section. <laughs> yeah, she was really mad, and she. Uh, <laughs> sorry, so it was sorry, a lot. It she was, was really lot. mad. She didn't it like was, it. No, she, she really didn't hated like it. it. She didn't, she didn't like, like it. it. She was unhappy about it. <laughs> yeah, she said the word dildo a whole bunch of times. Okay, because... how do you sit through a conversation like that? I'm going to assume they read the book cover to cover, or did they just go and look for the words dildo? So see, that's a graphic memoir. So there oh, are pictures. pictures. Yeah. That's right. That's right. There I are. Don't, I honestly, she might have read the book. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, she definitely she knew a lot about around. it. Yeah. If you, it's also a book where it has been in the news so much that if you just mm-hmm. read the news coverage of the book, you would kind of know enough to make the argument she was making. Yeah. The but, argument that she was making. <laughs> it was just, it was really fun. Like, it really felt as though I had been, like, training for this. Like, yeah. I was like, all right, I'm doing this. We're Finally doing this right a- now. It was, it was very much like she wanted to be really wound up and upset and was sort of like, well, do you have a child? Would you let your child read this? And I was like, this isn't about me or my child. And we're not going to talk about the details of my child here. Like, you know, and it, it was, it was just a very interesting sort of like conceptual thing to happen in real life. Like I felt like I was watching it happen. Oh yeah. Yeah. What was the outcome? Well, she kept saying, you know, you need to take this out of the room. And I said, I, we we won't be. I'm sorry. You know, yeah. and the thing that public libraries get to say, which I think is probably harder in a school, is yeah. if you aren't comfortable with your child reading something, then you're their parent and you yeah. get to decide that. We don't get to decide that. We're not deliberately saying every child in our town, read this book right now. We're putting it in your hands. Like yeah. we're saying it's available. It's a public library's job to make information available. Information yeah. wants to be free. We make it available and you choose what you do with it. And so this library has something that everyone is going to disagree with in it. Yeah. It has plenty of things that, 
you know, between us, now that I'm not talking to her, there's plenty of things in this library that I don't know that my own personal child is ready for. And I wouldn't personally be handing it to him. And so if you don't want your 11 year old reading things in the teen room, well, then maybe don't let her in the teen room. Well, (laughs) it's your choice as a parent. Oh, my Lord. And uh, well, but that's it. I still think libraries are a place where if that 11-year-old really wants to get that information, they're going to go get it. I used to sneak over into the section, sneak, to the (laughs) section of the library that had like, you know, uh, sort of National Geographic foreign art books. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Or, you know, travel books and looked at uh, naked men that way. That's mm-hmm. how I saw penises mm-hmm. or weird art books mm-hmm. uh, because there were no, like, there I were mean, no internets. <laughs> well, there were no internets, but there was also no, God, God, so glad I didn't see the first penis on the internet. Anyway, but the, that was like the late 70s, early 80s. So that would have been like my, you know, our bodies ourselves was about all you got. So if you wanted to see or learn or try and piece it together, right. it was going to be through those pictures. Right. You're welcome, everybody. Right. That story. <laughs> what would you find behind the trash can? Woo! You know, now like, you can just go to the puberty section. Now it's know, so much it's easier all now. The fun is taken right, out of it. Right. I know. <laughs> you could have like a puberty scavenger hunt at your library. Right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> But so just to make sure I know, it's still a lot about bodies, puberty, seeing bodies. Is it like, is it seeing Um, bodies? You mean the book bands, like book bands and challenges? Yeah, like, I mean, it's a lot of LGBTQ. I know there's a lot of like. Racism. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Racists not wanting books around. But like, uh, yeah, that whole critical race theory argument makes oh. me yeah and like the idea that banning a tony morrison book oh, is no. going to somehow protect your child it, it's so ironic too because so often these bans and challenges are over like the best literature in the oh, world always that you're that like you're gonna take the bluest eye and argue about really yeah. like i i it, it kind of boggles the mind. And I know why. It's because they're high profile, right? There's plenty of other stuff going on that they just don't know about. The whole like, premise of their yeah. arguments is so ridiculous, it right? Is- because the premise is that if you don't talk to kids about microaggressions or yeah. trans kids' existence or the existence of negative things that happen to people because of yeah. racism, that it will go away? Is that yeah. is that what I, you think? Because maybe. if so, I don't think maybe. it's going to work. No, like, it's, oh, <laughs> no. And, but it's not. Yeah, right. Because there's libraries. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. It's maddening to think. It's always surprising the books that they want to ban, right? right. Like, you know, <laughs> there is a stack of books written by a computer in the children's section you know, about TV characters that I would love to ban because yeah. they're just garbage books. They're just because yeah. like, they were literally not written by a person. Right. I'm like 90% sure. <laughs> but instead, it's great works of literature that they want to take down. So so let me ask you this like sort of final question on the banning from a librarian's perspective. What do you see as the, the root causes for it? And... How do we support our libraries? Sort of two separate questions, but... Those are great questions. So I think, honestly, I think the root causes are 
really, I think the root causes boil down to fear that yeah. people are afraid if their kids read a book about a trans character, that they'll be trans. They are afraid that if they read a book about people being racist, that their kids, I don't know, will be racist, will not be as racist as they want them to be. I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I think it's, it's some of it comes from a place that I do kind of understand as yeah. a parent where no, of course, you're scared, yeah. right? You're scared that, that your child is going to know how terrible the world is and how many bad things happen to people. And that's really scary. But all it goes back to is, is sort of like the same old parenting thing, which is that if you have the kind of relationship with your kid where you can talk to them about the stuff that scares them and the stuff that scares you, that it's so much better to do that than it is to just pretend it doesn't exist, right? You can't yeah. ban Toni Morrison because you don't like the things that happen to the Toni Morrison characters, right? That it's right. the way to respond to that fear is not to not only say you can't read it to your own kid, but to say you can't read it to any kid in the whole world because right. that's what a ban is, right? It's not a ban or a challenge. That's not saying my child can't read it. That's saying I want this taken out of the library so that no child can read it. And that is just not your decision to make. Like, and yeah. so that's, that's kind of what it boils down to. I do think it boils down to fear, but I also think the fear that it's creating is kind of the point in that vein of like the cruelty is the point. Like I think the fear is the point in a lot of ways, because now whenever people, especially school librarians again, but also public librarians purchase things, we think, wow, can we back this up? Can we back this up in an auditorium full of screaming people? Can we yeah. back this up? You know? And so the way I really think the best thing that we can possibly do is to counter that chilling effect that this is happening, you know, that this is having on everything with a warming effect. And so mm -hmm. it's a really, really simple thing. This is what our banned books display was all about this year. I really think there's two super easy things that people can do. One is to write to your school principal or your library director and say, thank you for having these books on the shelf. You don't even have to give an example. It could be a two sentence email. Thank you for having books about trans kids. Thank you for having books about people in all different bodies. Thank you for having books about all different races and genders and everything in your library. I really appreciate it. It's important to me and my family. That's all. And that email alone, the, the volume of <laughs> negative stuff that yeah. we're all getting versus the volume of positive stuff, it's, it's not good, right? And I would love it if we could flip that ratio so that the next time you do go to make a purchase of a book that you think, wow, this is going to make some people mad, you think, oh, but hold on a second. Like those people wrote my director and said that they're really glad that there's trans picture books, right? Yeah. I, there's picture books that have, you know, kids who don't look like my kid. And I really like that. There's, there's, picture books that have kids that do look like my kid. And yeah. I really like that. And that's really important to me. So I think that's one thing. And the other thing that you can do is just to read some of the books yourself. So like a book like Genderqueer, like we were talking about, that that's a book that on the surface, if you're at some school board meeting with hundreds of people and somebody holds up this huge poster board that has, you know, it does have dildos on it. It has dildos. <laughs> and... That, you know, in order for you to have a conversation about that poster, you have to read the book. You have to get the context. Like, yeah, you don't want your kid to grow up to be an adult who didn't know the difference between a dildo and a vibrator. Right. I'm exactly. not saying that that happened to me. I'm just saying and, and that that was awkward and embarrassing. Uh, what I'm saying, I was like, oh, that would have been really helpful. If if that had been like any conversation I ever had with anybody at any point in time, <laughs> just a totally random example there, just, just random just out I of nowhere, clearly oversharing today. So <laughs> no, I I I love the idea of 
reading it. Yeah, always read it for yourself. Yeah, everybody. read it for because often these people are also really good at finding really good books of that course. like that like you're gonna wind up reading. You know. And loving. Time, you're going <laughs> to love it. But Gender Queer is an incredible book. It's a wonderful book. And so educating yourself in that way, knowing what you're talking about, it goes so far. You have no idea. Because people also think that I think book banning is like a 1984 thing that happened a long yeah. time ago and it doesn't happen anymore. And it was all about like bonfires and pitchforks or something. But it's not. It's happening and social media is a huge part of it. So if you read a book that you wind up loving – all Boys Aren't Blue is another one that was that was banned all over the place. If you read All Boys Aren't Blue, first of all, it's telling the library that you want it there. Second, you yeah. can post about it on social media. Be like, this was amazing. Everybody should go read it. It took me two seconds. It would be a great read. Yeah. And and that supports the authors. It supports the libraries. It supports the teachers. It supports all the people you want to support. Yes. That is, again, what I like to call lazy, easy activism. Yeah. That is just from your phone while you're waiting in car line or while you're listening to this podcast, just pull up the computer and shoot that out, right? Mm -hmm. Like it is, it is the least amount of effort that has a huge impact. Yeah. It helps us so much to know that there is somebody on the other side being like, thank you for this book being here. It was really important. Yeah. I'm, uh, now I've got to go do that right do now. It. Do I'm it. I'm going to do that right now. <laughs> when thank you so, hey, thank you for being a librarian because you're a badass. And I hope you feel like the badass that I see you as because that's like I fucking love libraries and will fight to the death to keep them going forever. And thank you for coming on and talking about not only how awesome libraries are and the resources that are available to people, but also to talk about what libraries are going through right now. It's very easy for us to forget that we have these champions who are making sure that these books and that these things are available to us, these resources, and not take them for granted. So... As always, you are doing such a fucking amazing job, and I am so glad you came on. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. And thank you to everybody who's using the library, too. Our numbers are all, you know, this. we told a lot of bad stories, but it's so heartening to see our numbers just shooting, skyrocketing to past where they were before the pandemic. Like, it's it's really amazing. We, we do feel a lot of that support, too. So that is also really good. Excellent. Thank all right. you. Everybody, go Google library. And <laughs> if you don't have access to a local library near you, go find your school library and support and make sure that that's happening or mm -hmm. a college library or, you know, I mean, it's there, there for you. Thank you, Gwen. Thank you, Biz. One Bad Mother is supported in part by HelloFresh. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that is why it is America's number one meal kit. Everybody, I am fully on board now with, <laughs> with meal delivery services. In fact, last week we made 
a pork tenderloin with couscous and green beans, and it was delicious. It was so good. And it only took like 30 minutes to make, which wasn't bad. It was delicious and easy, and I love it. Go to HelloFresh.com slash BadMother65 and use code BADMOTHER65 for 65% off plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash BADMOTHER65 and code BADMOTHER65 for 65% off plus free shipping. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius fail time. Genius me, me. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I saw what you did. Oh, my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh, my God. That's fucking genius. Okay, it's the snack lunch. It's calling lunch a snack. Somehow, this is getting us around a full lunch boycott. So, I'm chalking that up to be a win. Oh, and my lack of caring uh, about it. So there we go. Hi, One Bad Mother. This is a genius. I have a nine-year-old and a 12-year-old and a husband and a special needs cat. (laughs) And I run around a lot like we all do. Mm -hmm. And my genius is that I took a bath. That is my genius. (laughs) I thought I might take a shower. Even taking a shower can be a big deal in terms of making time for it and then remembering to do it and then actually doing it. And I, it suddenly occurred to me like, no, you should take a bath. And so I took a bath instead of a shower. And that is my genius. And it wasn't even a very long bath, which is fine. It was amazing. So thanks. I love the show so much. Thank you, Biz. I listen to it all the time. And you are doing a great job. I'm doing a great job. Thank you. You are doing a good job. Keep it simple. Keep it simple, everybody. The wins don't have to be epic. A bath is an epic experience. And I I don't even know the state of your bathtub, okay? I mean, it could be filled with My Little Pony hair or some sort of sticky substance, right? Like, I don't know. There was only a brief time that my tub was clean enough for me to want to get in it. (laughs) And there have been plenty of times where I've just gotten on in it, right? Because sometimes soaking is really nice and just not moving while getting something done like cleaning your body. So I, I, I see you. You did it. That you have done a very good job. Failures. Fail, 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 fail. You suck. All right. Get ready for this. 
I left my mother on a bench. Ta-da! Ooh, I just made, Gabe made a face. So a couple of times a week, I get up very early, and I go take Mama, pick her up, and I take her to her water aerobics class. And then I go walk, and then I come back, and I pick Mama up. This is routine. That particular day, Stefan had a dental appointment, so he could not take the children. So I said, Mama, is it all right if I take you even earlier? She said, yes. So I took Mama really early, dropped her off, and instead of going walking, I went back to the house to pick up the kids and take the kids to school, at which point I should now turn around and go back to pick Mama up from water aerobics. Turns out Ellis had a moment. In fact, I shared the moment last week about Ellis working through these big emotions and like advocating for themselves at school, but I was with them through that whole thing. So that is what I did instead of just dropping my kids off. I was so prepared to drop my kids off. I was in full still in pajamas. Okay. That's like where I was like, I'm not getting out of the car. Then as I'm leaving this big Ellis triumph, I get stopped by a teacher who is also a friend who needed to unload. And I was like, I'm here for you. It's okay. You're doing a good job. Get in the car. And I'm like, I am so tired. I just want a coffee and I want to go lay on the couch. So I go get a coffee and I go home and I lay on the couch. And then maybe 10 minutes after that, the phone rings and I see it's my father's cell phone. And I immediately realize what I've done. And I, it's, it's like 10.30, guys. Like, it was supposed to be like a 9.30 pickup, 9.15 pickup. But she hadn't called me because she had been sure that it had to do with the kids, which it did. But I, it, not the best. You know, we've done some work. She's sturdy and stable. I mean, she wasn't like, you know, I don't know, wandering. She was talking to every single person who was coming into, you know, the pool that day. But yeah, I I don't feel good about it. I didn't feel good about abandoning my poor old sweet mother, who luckily uh, held it over me for just the right amount of time. Hey, Biz. Um, I have a genius that ended up turning into a fail that I did not see coming. So my toddler started preschool about a month ago, and that will come into play in a little bit. But anyway, so she had – yesterday I noticed, like, she has, like, little red bumps on her chest. And my kids have sensitive skin, and that happens with clothing if I, you know, they were at my mom's for a week and different – detergents, whatnot, and it's not bothering her. She didn't even know that she had these bumps until I said something to her. And then when I said something to her, she was like, oh, I need medicine. And she remembered at nighttime that she needed medicine, so I just gave her, like, this tiny little bit of, like, sugar water for medicine. Well, at preschool today, they just called me, and they're like, she has bumps. She said you gave her medicine for them, so you know about them. And I'm like, yep, they're not a big deal. So now I have preschool freaking out. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Bye. Yeah. Yeah, it's the old... Fake medicine, you can't tell the child you're giving them a placebo, right? Because then it won't work. But then now they're full of information that they got medicine, right? This is sort of like mommy's special coffee, right? Like things get 
things happen at home and then get reported. And yeah, no, the preschool has every right to be like bumps and you gave medicine. Yeah, no, no, that was, <laughs> then you got to go through explaining uh, skin irritation and it wasn't really medicine. We lie to our child regularly. It's, you know, part of our parenting, you know, mantra. Yeah, no, that, see, you tried to do something that would help alleviate uh, anxiety for your child and wound up causing anxiety for an entire preschool. So shame, shame. Everybody knows your name. You're doing a horrible job. You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you, I love you. When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. I love you, I love you. Hello, dreamers. This is Evelyn Denton, CEO of the only world-class, fully immersive theme resort, Steeplechase. You know, I've been seeing more and more reports on the blogs that our beloved park simply isn't safe anymore. Mur murdered them? I'm gonna wreck it. They say they got mugged by brigands in the fantasy kingdom of Ephemera or hijacked by space pirates in Infinitum. I mean, I could have a knife. My papa said that I needed to do a crime. Friends, I'm here to reassure you that it's all part of the show. These criminals were really just overzealous staff trying to make things a little more magical for our guests. We're just as safe as we've always been. This isn't a county fair, dreamers. This is Steeplechase. The Adventure Zone. Every Thursday at MaximumFun.org. Since the dawn of time, man has dreamed of bringing life back from the dead. From Orpheus and Eurydice to Frankenstein's monster, resurrection has long been merely the stuff of myth, fiction, and fairy tale. Until now. Actually, we still can't bring people back from the dead. That would be crazy, but the Dead Pilot Society podcast has found a way to resurrect great dead comedy pilots from Hollywood's finest writers. Every month, Dead Pilot Society brings you a reading of a comedy pilot that was sold and developed but never produced, performed by the funniest actors from film and television. How does Dead Pilot Society achieve this miracle? The answer can only be found at MaximumFun.org. All right, everybody, it is time to listen to a mom share a rant. Hi, Biz. I don't know if this is a genius, a fail, or a rant, but um, my children are five and seven in kindergarten and second grade, and at back-to-school night, both of their teachers told us about this wonderful homework program that we're going to be expected to do and check in every night and go on to Canvas and... I work two jobs. Both of my kids are autistic. I have chronic health problems, and I just thought, as they're saying it, I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. My kids are in school all day. Then they're in the YMCA after school care. I get to see them from 5 to when they go to bed at 8. I am not going to spend time every night forcing them to do homework. I'm just not going to do it. I don't think they should have to do it. I don't think any kids should have to do homework outside school. And then uh, there we go. So that's my, my story. Goodbye. <laughs> I think you are doing such an amazing job. I, let, let me just state right off the bat. This is not a discussion about homework, everybody. This is a celebration of a person who just said, 
No, that's not going to be the house that I live in. These are the circumstances of my life. And I don't want to make it bad, right? Like, I don't want to add something that's going to be bad, right? And, and, And like, I just, I just love that you just, while being, this is, information is being given to you, I I almost hope you said out loud, yeah, no, that does sound great. We're not going to do it, but it sounds great, right? Like, (laughs) because I think that's fair, right? This isn't a fight between teachers and administration and parents. This is just the limits of what we are able to do. And I absolutely adore and respect your awareness of your situation and just taking care of you and your kids. This, it, 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 it will 100% work for somebody else, right? Like this is not, no, you're not doing it at anybody, all right? And no one's doing homework at you. You are, I just, this is everything. This is, I mean, just fill in the blank, guys. Like, what do you want to fit? If it's not homework, what is it? Is it like making sure that everybody's sitting the entire time through dinner? Maybe that's not your house, right? So why, your kid doesn't want to eat something? Like, I, do you, I, we finally had to do that at our house where I was like, I am crying at dinner. That is, I don't want that to be my life anymore. We're just going to throw all those old expectations out, right? I just, more of this, more of this. You are doing such a good job. Everybody, I, a lot of great messages in this show today. So I, again, I'm still reveling in our quote unquote rant caller who just said, that's great, not going to do it. Not working, not working in my life. Can't, I just can't make that happen. I love that. But I also love talking with Gwen. And like, if the biggest takeaway from talking with Gwen is that really simple acts have huge impact. You know, and we've talked about this. I mean, this is like, you know, again, part of our larger thesis, seeing each other out there, telling people they're doing a good job. My mother recently said something about listen to the strangers, right? Listen to the people at the checkout who are like, you really made my day. Or listen to the person at the school who says, gosh, that's so helpful. You're so good at that, right? Listen to the strangers And let them be the ones who are helping define who you are. And then go out and be that stranger for somebody else, right? Like go out and tell that librarian they're doing a good job. Tell the person at the school administration they're doing a good job. Tell the person helping check you out at the grocery store that they're doing a good job and that, you know, I I don't don't know. or write people notes, because that's the thing. The people who 
are mad and hate stuff are the ones that are going to be the loudest. And those of us that want to put the joy, joy, joy back out there, eh, sometimes it's like, it's fine. But maybe we should be the really mad ones. Maybe we should be the ones who are like, screw this. Screw your negativity. We will be joyous. And we will tell you what a good job you're doing. Because you are doing a good job. Being a parent is hard and scary. And we don't always make the right choices. We don't always know what is best for our kids. And it's impossible to walk through the world and not look at other kids and like question yourself when you do that um, or your choices. But if we're willing to ask questions, we're willing to learn and we're willing to support people, I just, just think that's a good plan. <laughs> so with that said, you are all doing such an amazing job. Go to your library, check out the dirtiest book you can find, write a nice note about it, and I will talk to you next week. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. You know that right. We'd like to thank Max Fun, our producer, Gabe Mara, our husbands, Stephen Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Well, daddy, baby, fussing by, not low down mama blue. Oh, said daddy, baby, fussing by, not low down mama blue. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.